This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing that. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. And your suffering will be legendary even in hell. <laughs> it's alive, it's alive, it's alive. They all flow down here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, you're doomed. On our show tonight, sequel to Deja Vu, our hosts celebrate the time-honored tradition of movie sequels including the good, the bad, and the very ugly. From diabolical killers who won't stay in the grave, to science fiction epics whose stories cannot be contained, to a single chapter, and so much more. Join us for the tales you love, and some that you won't believe got made in the first place. The dark forces are closing in. The world must be saved. No problem. All righty, folks, welcome once again to Cinema Degeneration's sequel to Deja Vu, where we uh, record. <laughs> oh, God, this is going to be a hard one to get through. I can hardly get through the intro <laughs> thinking about how bad this movie is. We celebrate and record our shows to celebrate uh, the good, the bad, and this week, the very, very ugly in sequels. Um, We're going to be covering 1997's <sighs> Mortal Kombat Annihilation. <laughs> and you know, my first note on this page, uh, my two pages of notes, because I still do my due diligence and, and take very detailed notes. My first note was, oh, New Line Cinema, how the fuck could you? And God, they did. But before I get ahead of myself, uh, I want to welcome my guest, Derek Worley. How are we doing this evening or this morning, yeah, I should say? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, doing great. Uh, not so great after watching this movie again, but uh, about as good as you could be. <laughs> yeah, probably about as good as I am. You needed a, I needed an Alka-Seltzer after watching this one. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, I had to kind of get down in the fetal position and cry for a couple minutes because, oof. That was, that was rough. I, worse than I remember. <laughs> oh, yeah, much worse. I hadn't watched it probably since it came out. Like, not since 97. I never rented it when it came back out on video. I, I've never caught it on cable. I never caught it on a streaming service until I watched it the other day. And I kind of rewatched a bit of it this morning just to kind of pre-prep. And I, all I got to say is, sir, you did this to us. This was your choice. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. But I forgive yeah. you. I forgive you. <laughs> no, it's uh, when when uh, when we did the last show on Predator Two, 
they're like, hey, next time let's choose a bad sequel. And I know we had talked about some stuff. And uh, after the new Mortal Kombat movie came out, everyone was kind of talking about the old movies and stuff. And I'm like, dude, Annihilation was one of the worst movies I think I've ever seen in my life. We should cover this. And uh, kind of regretting that decision a little bit. I'm not going <laughs> to lie, because, wow, that was... Uh, that was a lot. <laughs> yeah, that, that's 95 minutes that I'm never going to get back in my life. Uh, God, you know, I mean, a lot of people talk smack about the first Mortal Kombat. Sure. I, I like it. I still like it. You know, yeah, it's a little goofy. Some of the effects are a bit wonky, but it's a highly entertaining movie, and it tells a good story, and, it's you know, it's very concise and, and does what it's supposed to do. Mortal Kombat Annihilation... Uh, you know, like the tagline says for it, destroy all expectations. Yeah, yeah, all expectations and hopes and dreams were destroyed from this fucking movie. I, oh, God. Yeah, but it's I'll bad. Get, <laughs> yeah, I'll get into the quick IMDb synopsis, and then we'll get right off into tearing this movie a new asshole. Uh, <laughs> a group of martial arts warriors have only six days to save the Earth from an extra-dimensional invasion. And that makes it sound a lot better than it is. Because, <sighs> I mean, the, in the beginning, like, you know, we're going to tear this apart in a, in a linear fashion. You know, here we can jump around if need be. But, you know, the opening of this movie, they, I noticed, like, I had to rewatch the beginning, like, the opening five minutes twice just to see if I could catch any glimpse of the other actors. They very carefully are not showing any of the other actors from the first movie besides Robin Chow mm -hmm. and Talisa Soto. Because... None of them returned, you know, they, they were very careful to ret even kind of retcon that whole ending a little bit and kind of mm -hmm. redo it. God, it was, it, it just starts off. And I mean, I know it's a rough, the rough storyline for Mortal Kombat 3. Yeah. But you wouldn't know it by watching it. No. And, and upon rewatching, like a lot of movies tend to do this and, and man, in, I don't remember 1997 super great because I'm, I'm kind of a young guy, but it's like, I don't know if like back in the day people realized because I feel like people are more aware when it comes to movies now when people see, wow, they recasted like everybody. They're like, man, maybe this movie's going to suck. I don't know if people had that same outlook back in like the 80s and 90s when people would get recast in a movie like they do now. But man, like, they, I don't think anyone was prepared for that. Like, I mean, it's it's weird. And like we kind of said when we were talking before, that it's kind of like they get found the great value or like Kmart versions of like all these <laughs> different actors and actresses. And then they just totally replaced all these people. And it's just like, wait a second. And like redid the ending of the first movie, which already looked kind of cheesy and goofy. And then they like cranked that to 11. And it's just like, wait, what's happening? Like, I, I couldn't imagine being in the theater watching this and be like, wait a second. Like, you know, yeah, uh, I, I had watched it in the theater. I was only uh, uh, about two years re removed from high school of me being a little bit of an older gentleman. And I remember, you know, seeing the first movie at midnight screening when it first came out and being jacked for it. You know, I was oh, yeah. just I was just graduating, you know, high school, still deep within my, you know, early video gaming phase and being, you know, just excited for it you know i mean like i like the first mortal Kombat. i like the mm -hmm. the original street fighter movie as bad as it was 
but this movie got it, it was like a TV movie. It was like a bad TV straight to video movie that somehow made it theatrical. I don't know how they how they thought any of this was a good idea. And one of the first notes I had was, um, you know, they re- they replaced Raiden, Christopher mm-hmm. Lambert, a phenomenal actor, you know, mostly known from the Highlander movies and whatnot. Sure. But it, it's painfully obvious that James Remar, uh, at least in, in my eyes, was doing this for a paycheck. He is a, oh, yeah. one of the first notes I had is fine, you know, James Remar, fine actor, horribly miscast. With his spindly little, you know, arms and legs, and t- supposed to be a martial artist, it, this he either didn't do any training or just didn't get it because every sequence he's in that he's supposed to be doing any kind of martial arts is just horribly bad, except for when they like op- use obvious stunt doubles. But like, he's a great actor. You know, I can name a, a dozen movies that he's been in. I mean, Mortal Kombat. I'm not Mortal Kombat, but uh, the 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 warriors mm-hmm. 48 hours you know even dexter you know he's a he's a very fine accomplished actor but horribly fucking miscast and like you said besides him really everybody else is the great value as we put it the great value moral uh mortal combat version of it you for know sure. the the replacing sonya blade replacing uh johnny cage for a total of three and a half minutes mm-hmm. and let's let's, let's talk, talk about that Oh my god, yeah, so the big I totally forgot of... how quickly that went down, because I was just like, whoa, you know, and just to, before I get right into that, I was going to say, like, being a big fan of the Warriors, like, um, in recent years, when I watched Mortal Kombat Annihilation, before this time, because I think I've seen it three times in my life, uh, I, I bought it for my, for my job at FYE years and years ago, I, I bought... Uh, the first two Mortal Kombat movies on on Blu-ray, and I rewatched this. I'm like, holy shit, that's the guy from uh, from the Warriors, James Remar. And the thing is, Christopher Lambert in the first movie was already a little bit flat. And like, I'm like, okay, you're supposed to be a thunder god, and you kind of look like you know my uncle doing cosplay. But it's like, <laughs> it, yeah. but then I feel like it, it got even worse in this. And I'm like, both these actors are really good actors. I'm just like, what? what what's going on here and it's like i want to blame the the you know the direction with the first movie but it's like it's paul ws anderson he's historically like pretty good filmmaker i think and then in the sequel it's a first time director so it's like that i mean that's fairly forgivable but it's just like man i was like i I don't like this this is this is not good i mean when it comes to the martial arts and the fighting and stuff and i'm like it's like someone saw him in the Warriors. He's like, "Yeah, let's get him to play Raiden." <laughs> it's like, right. no, that's that's not enough. You know, it, I like to have people who who halfway know look, look like they know what they're doing. And uh, yeah, I mean, the recasting uh, Johnny Cage, my God, uh, who was a lot of fun in the first movie. Uh, yeah, Lyndon Ashby played him in the, in the first movie, you know, and, and he was uh, he was he was fairly decent as Johnny Cage in the first yeah. movie. And then in this, um, the guy who plays him, uh, got the IMDb pulled up here because I, I cannot remember names. Because there's a ton of characters in this movie, which yeah. is one of the things I actually do like. Uh, Chris Conrad plays Johnny Cage in this one. Uh, I'm not really familiar with much of his work. It seems like he's he's done a, quite a bit of stuff, but nothing I'm super familiar with. But uh, 
fine transition, but like, holy cow, they just like off him almost immediately. It seems. And I'm yeah, like, I mean, he tries um, to take out the what you know Shao Kahn with with his uh, shadow kick, and it, it, like it instantly just neck break. You know, <laughs> it's like. Like, yeah, we got already got 37 characters in this movie. We need to get rid of the, one of them really fucking quick here. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, it, it. and this is a big gripe I have with the movie. When you watch the first one, you know, your quote-unquote, your, your fatalities, your, your fights, everything felt unique. Nothing felt, like, regurgitated or, like, cop-outs or anything. Like, it was fun to watch the fights. They are choreographed really amazingly. And in this, there's some good fights, but it's like, everyone's getting killed with like kicks to the face and neck breaks. And it's like, it's, it's like super cheap in comparison to the first movie, which was already pretty cheap with it being a, you know, PG 13, but it's still like, you know, even with Scorpion getting killed off in the first one with his head getting chopped off and then burned alive with his own flames, you know? And it's like, you had some good stuff in there, but it's like this, they're like, yeah, I'm just going to like, kick you in the face or I'm going to do a quick neck break on you. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure both uh, Melina and Motaro later on, I'm pretty sure they both get killed with like a kick to the face. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Uh, yeah. How, how are you going to do this? It's, it, it, it just it's, seems like a cheap cop out, you know, it's it, just like, we don't yeah. know how to finish these guys off in an original way and do anything. We're just, as you said, you're going to regurgitate this thing again. We're just, just boom, another neck break. They're, they're just offing these characters to, like, just move along. And it's like, Johnny Cage was, like, a big deal in the first movie. And when he was thought to be dead there for a second, like, it was it, it was a huge thing. And then you're going to kill off this super important main character, like, immediately. It, it kind of reminds me of, like, Friday the 13th Part 2, when they kill off um, Alice, like, immediately yeah. in the first, like, three minutes. And you're like, wait, what? It, it, that's how it felt because I'm like, okay, here's a super important character recasted, but that's forgivable. But it's like, nah, we're just gonna off him immediately and then move the story along. And it's like everything moves so quickly in this movie that it's like there's borderline not even a story. It's just stuff happening for more yes. stuff to happen, and it just like it's it's very very choppy. It's very messy. And, I mean, the CGI, the fights, the way it's shot, for being directed by a guy who is known for cinematography, the way this is edited together and some of the shots they have, I mean, throughout the whole film, I'm like, what were you thinking? This is not good. And I actually made a couple notes on that, but we'll get to that later because it's uh, very specific to a uh, couple specific scenes. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that was just, they are just like, yep, here's Shao Kahn. Uh, Gonna kill off Johnny Cage real quick and um, have you know Raiden and him and uh, Shao Kahn kind of face off and introduce all these new characters and it's like it's so sudden. There's no build up to it. It just like if these were the same cast members, you could almost combine it right into the first movie, make one long movie because it's right, just like right. it just it is just flowing as if you're just supposed to know what's going on and it's like uh what. So, I mean, if you've never played the games, you're like, what is this? Right, right. I mean, yeah, it could flow. It's just like Halloween 1 and Halloween 2. You know, yes. Albeit, those are much better films. Oh, know, yeah. <laughs> flowing from one straight right into the other. But but with, you know, all of a sudden, you know, your characters are missed uh, or recast halfway into it. It's just, 
But yeah, big misstep in killing Johnny Cage in the beginning. Such a major character in the the Mortal Kombat games and the first Mortal Kombat movie. You know, to just bump him off like that. It just and just to save like you know Sonya, who is a throwaway character in in this movie. She yeah, really doesn't get to do a whole lot other than. Well, we'll 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 get into it. We'll we'll, <laughs> we'll get we'll get into it bit by bit. But it's also plagued with horrible dialogue. Oh, this horrible yes. dialogue. The first one I have written down is: "You must seek out the counsel of Night Night Wolf. You will not find him. He will find you." Well, the fuck? Why am I seeking him out? If like let him find me? I mean, it, it just. Uh... <laughs> it's it's so bad. Like I took note of a couple things that that happened as far as the dialogue goes, but it's like, again, you know, that's a perfect example of it's like, okay, some of the the dialogue in here, it feels like much like offing the characters. It's so basic and it's so simple. And it's just like, it it exists only to progress us to the next scene. Like it's not setting up any kind of story. It's not, they're just like, it's just there. You know, the, the first movie, it's like, you know, they're talking about this grand tournament and how they have to win. And they're talking about the uh, the other world and, like, all this stuff. But it's, like, uh, it, it just, it, it makes no sense. Well, it's it, like they forgot the their own lore. They, you know, like, they is. set up a bunch of lore in, in the beginning. And even Luke Kang says, you know, I thought, like, once we won the tournament, we, you know, everything would be safe for, you know, the next generation until the next tournament. And it's like, well, they changed the rules. And it's like... How? How? Who? What? Like, uh, uh, you're telling me this ancient tournament that's been around for, you know, thousands and thousands of years. All of a sudden, yeah, they're just like, nah, we're going to be sore losers. And I think we're just going to go ahead and change the rules right here. You know, Shao Kahn's just like, you know what? Fuck the rules, man. I'm going to I'm going to invade anyway. And I'm going to bring all my people with me. And it's like, no, pretty sure you can't do that. Like, (laughs) it's it's like, no. And. Uh, in the, it, it, Let's talk about some of the bad acting a little bit. It, here God. in the beginning, um, I'm probably going to massacre her name, but Musetta Vander, who plays mm-hmm. Sindel. Oh my I, God. I remember her mostly from uh, the Oblivion <laughs> movies, the the Full Moon two Oblivion <laughs> movies that they did. Yeah, she is such, and I hate to diss her this bad because uh, I know she is on this convention circuit quite a bit and whatnot. And I hate to run into her and be like. Eh. But remember yeah. that time I dissed you on my on my show? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But she is such an overactress. She overdoes everything. Um, I mean, uh, the Sindel character, which is Katana's mother. When when Katana's like, "Mother, you're alive," and she's like, "Too bad, you." will die and it's like what (laughs) like are you kidding me right now it's like you know what made me think of is when you play the mortal kombat games the way the dialogue would would go in that when you even in the newer ones the kind of the banter between characters and it's Mm -hmm. like the most cheesy one-liners you've ever heard and it but it's like meant this it's like they're trying to take it too seriously while throwing in like really bad one-liners and like horrible banter from from the video games before that was even a thing and it's just like what are you doing you know it's 
Yeah, I don't think like, they knew I mean, what they later, were doing. Just, just to jump forward a smidge, it's like when Scorpion um, kidnaps Katana, he's like, suckers, and then just, and it's like, why? Scorpion <laughs> would not do that, and he would not say that. What is even happening? It just, it, it's dumb. Um, you know, it, Nightwolf being like, pretty cool, huh? And it's like, no, Nightwolf is not going to say that. What are you doing? It's, oh, God, it yeah, just, the pretty cool the, line. The 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 one-liners, the way that the, the, the actors are delivering these lines is it, it genuinely feels like, you know, they're reading dialogue to be put into a video game. Like, you know, when you hear the English dubs of, like, the old Resident Evil games. Yeah, it feels very, like, very whoa, you're almost a Jill sandwich. And it's like, that's that no, that's horrible. What what are you doing? Yeah, why you would know? you try to replicate that? It almost felt like Yui Bowl. Yes. <laughs> you know, when he was doing a House of the Dead and, and <laughs> you, know, you know what? It was almost that bad. It was almost that bad. And I'll give this movie that it's not that bad, but it's it's dancing that line, and I'm not gonna lie, I'm pretty sure House of the Dead has a higher ranking on Rotten Tomatoes than this movie, which was probably shameful. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, the, the acting is so bad. I mean, some of the lines, I forget what Shao Kahn said, but I was actually watching um, the Dead Meat channel on uh, YouTube with James Janice where he does the kill counts. And he mentioned, yeah. like, and, and I never really thought about this until I watched his show, when Shao Kahn is first like, you know, well, we're here to take over in, in you know, this, that, and the other, when he's talking to uh, Raiden there. It sounds like he's crying. Like, it, the way he's trying to, like, make a voice and sound, like, sophisticated, but, like, have this, like, you know, <laughs> ancient yeah. way of... And it's, like, it sounds so hokey. It sounds goofy. And, you know, and, like, when, you, when you're presented with these new characters, you want them to make, you know, an impression. You want them to be, you know, fearful. And, like, in, it's just, like, when you see Mataro, he, he looks goofy with those gnarly dentures and like the like party city devil horns and then it's like the half oh my god body yeah and it's like, oh he looks so bad and mataro looks so oh, horrible man. and he was an american gladiator the actor that yeah. played him i forgot i didn't write down his name but um, mataro was an american gladiator uh, and it, sh it shows because he is not a good actor he is he's just a, you know quote-unquote beefcake you know yeah. he's got guy was six-pack abs and a nice physique you know i mean yeah well and when you watch the first mortal kombat movie uh just as reference because like you said it's a movie i enjoy um yeah it, it's got a lot of nostalgia factor uh both movies have incredible soundtracks with remixes from bands i listen to on a regular basis i mean they have like megadeth and typo negative and napalm death and like all these bands that i listen to on my own time with, with like techno remixes and stuff and it, i dig it i love it and this even has a level of nostalgia to it, but it's, like, not in a good way. But it's, like, when you watch the first movie and the makeup effects uh, mixed with, like, also the CGI, the only really, really bad effect from the first movie is Reptile. Because he looks like the Geico Gecko in, like, all of his scenes. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, yes, he does. But, like, in this movie... Oh my god, it's like Spawn that came out the same year. The CGI is what ruins these movies. You look at Spawn and like uh, Malbolgia and when he uh, when he gets sent to hell and then it's like 
the cape and like all this and it looks so oh, bad and this movie totally has the same effect where you know Motaro's body and Shiva with her four arms apparently they uh much like the first Mortal Kombat movie they wanted to do animatronics like they did with Goro but apparently the arms kept they, they were like faulty and not working properly so they just decided to CG it and it doesn't look as bad as some of the other stuff but no, like, no, it doesn't. Well, it looks very cartoony, and it doesn't really fit. But, God, it, I mean, nowhere near as bad as some of the other effects. And I think the only really good uh, computer uh, effect that they did in this was when Nightwolf turned from a wolf into a human, but it was mostly in shadows. So, I mean, it worked for that. But it just blows me away that you have movies like Jurassic Park that probably had comparable budgets to these because they're all huge movies from this time period. Jurassic Park holds up today and still looks amazing. It looks better than movies you see in the theater now. And it oh, was, yeah. came out in 1993. And how a movie like that can have effects that look so good. And then you have these movies where it's literally uh, PlayStation 1 graphics are laughing at how bad it looks. Right, right. Yeah, the original Resident Evil had better graphics. Straight up. It's just, it's it's mind-blowing to me that that they, they, you know, like I said, and we're still, like, stuck on this opening scene, but it's like, this is the first 10, 15 minutes of a movie that's supposed to grab you, and it's just, it's just a shitstorm of just, it, it looks A shitstorm of laughability is how I just oh, describe it. Speaking of laughability, okay, I got to get your opinion on this. This is kind of plays out after they kill Johnny Cage, yeah. and they yeah, and they travel to by outer world by a series of underground pinball machine kind of yes. traveling devices. Utter ridiculous, utterly fucking ridiculous. And they try explaining it at one point. I think it was Katana tried explaining it that like the heat from the core of the earth forced these spinner balls that you could travel by. To, and I love the fact that, like, you could travel anywhere on Earth in a matter of hours. Well, you, you could travel by plane pretty much on Earth in a matter, matter of hours, and or bullet train, and, and, and by other, you know yeah. what I mean, means. And it's just like, they, they could have, like, made that a bit more impressive and, like, you could travel on Earth anywhere in a matter of minutes. But For real. And it's, it's, not like, it's not impressive. It's not impressive at fact, all. It's, it, 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 you're totally right. Like, matter minutes would make that seem much more impressive. And it's like, honestly, traveling by a hamster ball through volcanic tunnels seems like kind of a hassle and compared to flying. Now, given my recent uh, experience with flying, maybe not. But it's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's um, it's it just like, it's like, okay, cool. You know, and they're like inside the spinner ball and then they like try to kind of like push this love interest between the two of them for like a split second. And I'm like, what is Hold this? on to my body. It's like, it's like, what? If, I'm sorry. That's like the most like, hey, we're high schoolers trying to flirt and we're really bad at it. Like, it's, <laughs> it was so, it was cringy. Like, I, I physically cringed at that particular scene and i was just like oh my god i think i did a full body shiver when that happened i was like (laughs) it's so weird i just i didn't like it and it's like again these are uh two actually two of three 
returning uh, cast members, because there is a third one that I actually missed until I did a little bit of research. Um, but it's like, they were in the first movie together. You think there'd be some level of chemistry with them and it, like their scenes would go well, but it's like, even these two characters who are returning still seem so awkward and out of place and they don't even seem to work well together in the sequel. And I'm like, man, this, this movie really has nothing going for it. You know? No, um, no, it really doesn't. It, it, it brings me to the next scene with, with uh, when they actually get to where they're going, when Liu Kang and Katana get to where they're going and they end up, you know, there's a, the fight sequence where I made a note here, Katana, horrible blade skills they said that she had trained like in uh brazilian boxing or something like that i can't remember exactly what it was or brazilian jiu-jitsu i I, i'm just like really because she was so awkward with those those fan blades horrible horrible knife skills but sub-zero's older brother returns you know and and has a, a a really one of the few fight scenes that i found slightly memorable but in comparison to the rest of the movie it's really just bad at his fight scene with scorpion which they just they just throw the characters away two of the most major characters in the mortal Kombat franchise and they just they just throw them away yeah and that's again like like i said before it, it seems like they throw away such memorable characters and characters people like in just in an effort to move the story along. And I think that's what's the problem with having so many characters in one movie. Cause it's like, I mean, holy shit, you have so many. And at this time there was probably what four Mortal Kombat games out at, by this point. So it's like, yeah, they were at least at four. They're at least at part and four by then with that scene. So just to add on to it being sub zeros, uh, older or younger brother or whatever, or y- younger brother. Um, yes. So I guess, in the Mortal Kombat canon, Sub Zero was actually behind, was actually killed by Scorpion in between the first two games. And from that point on, if you read, like, I guess the character bios, the Sub Zero who continues on through the rest of the franchise is actually his brother. And the original uh, behind comes back, the original Sub Zero comes back as Noob Saibot. And so Noob Saibot is technically sub the original Sub-Zero, which is really, really interesting. So it's like, that that's like canon from the game, but it's like, again, people who don't follow the games and the deep lore and all that aren't gonna know that. And it's like Noob, Noob Saibot is like in this movie for like literally four seconds and he's just like <laughs> right. a shadow. And I'm like, this is such a cop-out, but... The uh, the guy who plays Sub Zero in this movie uh, actually played the ninja version of Reptile in the first movie. Oh, so he's the third. So he's third, the third uh, technical returning uh, character. But it's like you want to know because you don't see his face. But yeah, he uh, he he played re- the ninja reptile in um, in the first movie. So I thought that was kind of a cool bit of um, yeah, that is a good uh, bit of trivia. Uh, there. Uh, trivia, you know and. As I'm looking at like the um, the characters here, I mean, you have uh, the actor J.J. Perry who plays Cyrax, Scorpion, Noob Saibot, and one of the Tarka- Tar- 
Cantians, uh, the Barakash species. Uh, he plays one of those because there's multiple of them later on. But it's like, oh, Baraka. Oh yeah, my gosh. Oh god. Well, we'll get to how bad that was. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I definitely yeah, got something to say about that. Keith, uh, Keith Cook. It was uh, was the name of the guy who plays Sub Zero. But yeah, he was in the first one as uh, the reptile uh, character. But um, you know, one of the most impressive bits of trivia while we're on people playing other people, Ray Park. Who plays Darth Maul? Uh, plays one of those uh, Baraka species guys, and plays one of the Raptors, one of the reptile ninjas. Uh, I guess this was one of his I had read first that movies. Uh, it was right, what two years before Phantom Menace? So it's like a, early on, it was one of his uh, first big things, I suppose. So that's a bit of trivia cool. as well. Uh... I had written that down that Ray Park was in it as his first one of his first film roles, but Tony Jaa, mm-hmm. who you know did the Protector, <clears throat> you know Fast and the Furious amongst a million other things, was Robin Shaw's stunt double. Was he really? Yeah, it was one of his first, uh, like second or third movies or something like that. So yeah, much uh, bigger names and in, in behind the scenes kind of ways that you just you know you would never know that they were in it, but yeah. Oh sure, yeah, <sighs> yeah. That that scene, you know, in it, it again going back to Scorpion, you know, over here trying to, um, um you know, kidnap Katana and be like <laughs> suckers, and then you know, bolt. And the out way he there. kidnaps Katana is so lazy. It was just like it was like really. That that was the best you could do. <laughs> yeah, it's like it, 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 it. Oh my god, I'm just like at a loss for words. You know, you have Cyrax uh, showing up. Uh, he or was a Sector as as one of the one of the or Smoke or one of those guys shows up, gets his ass whooped in literally thirty seconds, and you know I'm just like, okay, here's one of the cyborg characters, which are pretty popular among the franchise, especially early on, and I'm like. And you're going to off this guy almost immediately in the most lazy way possible with him getting frozen, getting his ass whooped. And it's like, again, you know, just I, I feel like they were trying to cram all these characters in to make people think like, oh, whoa, my, I'm going to go see this to see my favorite character in this movie. But it's like, yeah, you're going to get to see them for 30 seconds and then that's it. You know, especially Scorpion and Sub-Zero, the two most popular characters in Mortal Kombat. Or are yep. literally both in this scene and then never seen again. Right, right. At all. <laughs> oh my gosh. And, and this is, a, I'm going to stop for one moment here and put this out there into the ether for anybody who wants to say that the new Mortal Kombat that came out in here in 2021. was a cop-out and a cash grab in a shitty movie. I implore them to try to watch Mortal Kombat Annihilation along with the new one and still have that same opinion. My God, the new Mortal Kombat movie was leagues and bounds better <laughs> than Annihilation. I like, could not agree more. And, and I, I remember when Mortal Kombat, the new one, came out, I could not believe the amount of people are like, that movie was awful, the original was so much better, and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, it's okay to like a movie for nostalgia. It, that's totally okay. 
Right. But man, I'm going to be 110 with you. The new Mortal Kombat, in my my personal opinion, was better than the original two by, especially Annihilation. But it's like, it's even though there's no quote unquote tournament, I feel like this is like a precursor to that. Right. That's how I took it. it. Yeah. Exactly. It was it was meant to introduce us to that world, and we're going to get. I guess the dude who plays Sub Zero is signed on for five movies total. And uh, uh. allegedly, don't know how true this is, allegedly Gal Gadot is in talks of playing Katana in the sequel. And I'm like, okay, you're getting some pretty big names in here. Like, I'm down for this. And I'm totally down for that. You know, it's... Uh, the new Mortal Kombat is awesome. And, and I feel like I, my only disappointment with it was... Some of the characters, I think, got killed off too easily once everyone figured their powers out. I feel like they made it too rapid fire because Melina is one of my favorite characters to play in Mortal Kombat, um, just because she does the she does the spin moves and the the transporting with the kicks, and it's like I, when I play Mortal Kombat with my friends, I'm not allowed to play Melina because I just whoop everyone's ass. But <laughs> but it's like she you get to see her with her gnarly teeth like that one scene right before she gets killed and it's like, and it happens so quick, you know, uh, that was my problem with, with Goro, Goro, as much as I love that sequence with him, it was just, he got killed off way too soon way, and way too easily, too easily. And like, um, Cabal who I haven't really liked up until like more recently. I mean, he gets off like real immediately. And I was like, dude, Cabal was like, some great comedic relief between him and uh, Kano. They stole the show in that movie, I thought. And, um, you know, but the fatalities in this new one, my God, when Jax uh, smashes the head with, with his fists and, the and uh, you know, the uh, Melina getting the ball of energy put through her stomach and you can see her spine and it's like, there were some amazing kills in that. I mean, Luke, Luke, uh, or sorry, Kung Lao with the saw blade hat, you know. Oh, yeah. Natara. I mean, there were so many cool scenes in that movie, and it was filmed awesome. The sets looked amazing. Some of the CGI looked a little cheesy, but that's to be expected with, I mean, just about any movie. But the new Mortal Kombat is worth its weight in gold for the opening sequence. Of oh, yeah, Scorpion for the opening sequence Zero. alone, I mean, yes. Holy cow, when Scorpion, like, uh, puts the dagger on the rope and starts taking out those ninjas, dude, that was, that was high octane, that was, like, fast, and it was, it was awesome, you know, so, I mean, it, it's a great movie, and I, I love the original Mortal Kombat for, uh, the nostalgia, absolutely, but for what I expect out of a Mortal Kombat movie, and what I've always wanted, I feel like the new movie kind of hit on all cylinders for me, and I feel like it's only going to be up from here because it, it did really, really well between Theater Run and HBO. So uh, I'm excited to see where they go with it, really. Yeah, uh, me too, me too. But yes, anyone who thought that movie was awful, like seriously, I will uh, I will personally lo- uh, loan you my copy of uh, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. You can borrow it um when you try to return it, I'll never answer your calls. Uh, <laughs> it is yours. You can keep it. Um, You're yeah, like trying to get rid of the monkey's paw right there. Yes, aren't you? for real. It's like, uh, take this movie and never hear from me again. 
Yeah, yeah like it's, bury, it's, bury it in your backyard like you would the Necronomicon. Don't just yes, don't. Like, yeah, whoever finds it, that is your problem, not mine. Anymore. Yeah, um, it's your curse. But yeah. all right, it's back to uh, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. <laughs> my next no here. My next one. <clears throat> is what I hated what they did. Like it was one of my favorite characters to play with back when I played a lot of mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. was them reducing jacks to a bunch of one liners and oh. hip trying to be hip comic relief. It was bad. So bad. And th- again, they couldn't get the, the original actor to return, but I, I understand that one. He, uh, the original actor had some health problems and, and died apparently. Yeah. Uh, a year after this came out, he died in 1998. So, I mean, I understand that they couldn't get the original actor to come back with his health issues. But this this guy, man, he's he's not a bad actor. Uh, Lynn uh, Williams, Lynn Red Williams, not a bad actor. But man, they just reduce him to nothing but one liners, and none, yeah. and they all fall they all fall flat. I don't think I laugh once. Yeah, and it's like and and again, and it's like the most stereotypical and. Uh, God, how do I say this in in the most like uh, chill way possible? But it's like I feel like in the '90s, representation of different ethnicities in films was not always great. Um, I I will say with 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 these old Mortal Kombat movies, you know, they did a good job of having like actual like you know Asian actors in there and stuff like that. But it's like I feel like a lot of dialogue for your. Uh, for you know your black actors and black representation was not great so it's like he had the most stereotypical lines that you hear you know your your black sidekicks say in a film and, you know when he, he gets his uh, arms together he's like yeah that's what i'm talking about and just the way he delivers it they're like yeah be stereotypical be stereotypical and it's just it comes off so cringy and it's just like the one-liners are just bad and it's like you know, Jax is a fun character to play in the games. And, like, in, in some of the recent games, you know, he has the one-liners and he has the quips, but it's, like, it works. And it's, like, he's actually good. In the new movie, you know, them developing his character and how he gets his arms and his strength, and it's, like, he's a likable character. And it's, like, you're, like, hell yeah, this guy's awesome. But in this right. movie, it's just, like, ugh. What are you doing? Well, the way they find him, he's just like, he's just introduced all of a sudden. Sonya Blade finds him this laying on the kind of an operating table. And he's like cybernetically enhanced his arms. And, but, but he's like cuffed down to the table and he's just like, oh, well, I can do this, you know, and he you know breaks himself out. And then when they had the big, uh, it's the big fight with uh, Cyrax, wasn't it? Wasn't yeah. That the... <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I think it was Cyrax and Sector that were in this. So, uh, maybe Smoke, but, I can't keep track of them, but... Yeah, yeah it, I mean, co- characters in. come and go so quick that sometimes Seriously. it's hard. Unless you pause this movie, and, and like, I, I did pause it a few times to take a few notes because things were moving along. Usually, I will not art, uh, will not complain about a movie moving along fast because I like a fast paced movie. I don't want to oh, be sure. bored. It's never boring. I'll, I'll give you that. The movie is never boring because it moves yeah. so fast. But it moves so fast. It's like a comedy that doesn't know how to pace itself. Like you, you know, you're finishing yeah. laugh. You're, you're midway through laughing at one joke, but they drop two or three more jokes at you that you miss because you're you're too busy laughing. But yeah. I want to know. What the hell did they do to beat Cyrax? Like, what what the hell was that 
stuff that Sonia grabbed and blew in his face that set him on fire. Like, it's never really explained. It's like for something that is that kills off as a fatality for one of the, you know, big characters. I had just... It, I was it, it was utterly weird. confused. And I, I feel like they were trying to do that, like, her, like, death kiss from the games or something, but it's just, like, it it just, it, again, it's just, like, it's so random in this movie with zero explanation that you're like, what was that? And then, like, you know, they just, like, Again, miraculously, they get out of the building with all those ninjas left behind in there, and then, then it blows up in one of the worst green screen shots I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> and it's just like... I again, actually made a note that you can see some green screen hue along the edges of their bodies yes, when they do this explosion. It's, oh it's so bad. It was, not, it, was not key, it was not keyed up very well. No, and, and that's something that I noted uh, actually in the opening scene and in a lot of the other scenes with the fights Anytime there's a fight with with green screen or like people flying through the air or whatever, there's so much fuzz around the characters and around the edges of the screen. It's like you can totally see how poorly keyed in this stuff was and where they tried to like put some kind of motion blur with it to like hide it. But it's like super obvious. And oh, oh yeah. my God, that's that was just like horrible. And it's like th this scene is such a throwaway scene because it was literally meant to just be like, okay, well, Jax is in the movie now and uh, we don't need Cyrax anymore. So let's just off him real quick and uh, move along. And it's like, it, it, you could have just had Jax show up just out of nowhere with new arms explain. Yeah. I, I cybernetically enhance my arms and move along. And you didn't need this scene. Like if you cut out all the unnecessary scenes, this movie would be about 10 minutes long because it's just like, it's just things to, show off a character or kill off a character or what have you. And it's like you're, if you've played the new Mortal Kombat games, how there's the like little movies in between the fights that kind of progress the story. Mm -hmm. It feels like that, but without the fights, it's just like, it's <laughs> right. like chunks of a story and with like mediocre fights in there here and there. And it's, Oh my God. It's just, it, it's annoying because you're just like, okay, cool. We're going to get a cool action sequence and it's over. You know, right. three, three minutes of some goofiness. And I will say, like, I really like the way Cyrax uh, looked in the movie, the way they did. Because, I mean, you can tell they're, like, people in suits, but it's, like, they move really good. They look really accurate to the, the games and stuff like that. And I really Yeah, like the suits that. look really good. You know, uh, the characters in these movies, I mean, they did a good job, you know, and and this is a thing, and you can say this with a lot of 90s, you know, when we talked a little bit about this in, in our last thing, with a lot of the 90s, um, you know, superhero or action movies or like comic book movies or video game movies, a lot of times the costumes were kind of cheesy because they tried to make them so much like the source material. And a lot of that, and a lot of the time, the source material is going to look cheesy. You got to make it exist in the real world. And that's why in the new Mortal Kombat, the costumes look so awesome because I think they look more genuine than they do poppy to look in like they would in a video game, you know? Yeah, and they look a little bit more, uh, for lack of a better term, realistic, you know, or at yes. least more uh, practical. Yes, and like, you know. they, like they would look in, in the real world. Because again, and this has always been the thing, Mortal Kombat has always had really badass, strong female characters in it but they're always, like, super overly sexualized. Like, it's like, I'm sorry, if you're right. going into, like, a tournament 
literally called Mortal Kombat, where you're like fighting for your life. You're not going to be like in like three inches of fabric uh, covering you all over your body. Like that's just not going to be a thing, you know. But it's highly in movie, impractical. In, in the movies, though, these movies specifically, they weren't overly ridiculous in that sense, and especially in the new movie, they weren't. Uh, so I I thought that was kind of cool. But it's like again, just they they for being kind of a cheesy costumes and things like that like everything looked really cool you know Shao Kahn looked awesome in in his suit and uh Baraka minus the face later on looks pretty all right like but it's uh you know you can tell they were trying to you know make everything recognizable they were trying to make things look cool and it's like and I I commend them on that but it's like again none of these characters are on screen long enough for you to really appreciate what they're doing you well, know it's really they're not on, lo- on screen long enough for you to care about them it, you know hard, hardly at all <laughs> it's like and they're constantly changing the rules like every step of the way the rules have changed it's like well now we have to save katana because she is the key to it well then yeah. it's like oh then we have to uh save uh sindel because she's the key to defeat you know to closing shao khan's you know the the portal the dimensional door yeah. it's like it's like really so like the 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 mo the motives behind everything just changes every fifteen minutes. Yeah. And the whole yeah. idea of them trying to find like this the next note I had was like, well, other than the bad Nightwolf CGI is Ooh. Liu Kang is supposed to find Nightwolf. Uh-huh. And he's supposed to be the super important character, you know, that is supposed to, you know, you will not find him, he will find you. And I'm like, well, it's and and at least, you know, to uh, Raiden's credit, that's exactly what happens. Yes. But, like, they don't do anything with Nightwolf. They literally use him as a means to introduce Jade. Yeah. And, and this is like, okay, like, why, why did you ever even have him in here? It was one character that, I mean, other than, you know, him, I guess, you know, it was a means to introduce the animalities. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and that's cool, but it's like, again, Nightwolf, that's a character I really enjoyed to play back in the day. And, you know, again, I would like to note that uh, uh, the actor who played Nightwolf, uh, goes by Lightfoot, was uh, in Indian in the Cupboard. And yes. he played uh, Little Bear, so I thought that was kind of cool. Um, and, I know, did his- make a note said here he was the first uh, Native American uh, rap star. Or rap really? artist, yeah. It's uh, he had had an album come out. I didn't make a note of when the album was or when it came out or anything, but he was the first Native American rap kind of superstar. And I'm like, wow, ah, like That's interesting, super cool. Yeah, you know. And and again, we talk about representation. You know, having an actual, you know, uh, indigenous person play um, playing Nightwolf, I thought was super awesome because again. 80s and 90s, early 2000s representation was not great. I mean, there's movies from the 90s where they're still doing, like, you know, blackface and stuff like that to an extent, and it's just, like, was not good, you know? So it's, like, seeing a, that was really cool. And, again, the costume, he looks like he's right out of the game. He, look, or he looks yes, amazing, he you know? And it, they did such a good job with doing that. But, but you're right. It's, like, he exists only... To introduce in animalities that will come in handy later down the road magically, and he exists purely to 
introduce the next character being Jade, who again, uh, pretty in, in the franchise, a pretty prominent character that again is not really in the movie a whole lot. It's just like the, the yeah. and this this stretch is like a perfect example of just how throwaway these characters are and how just non-important they are that a character that played uh, in the very beginning of the movie like you said when Raiden was like you know here's this guy he's going to teach you things but you know you're not going to find him he's going to find you and it's like all this exposition to be like hey this is going to be an important person literally on screen for three minutes to show up do a transformation be like hey pretty cool huh this is my animality and you you know, you can do this too, and yeah, you walk. have it within you to do this, and yeah, and and then he like disappears, and then Jade shows up for like out of the blue, trying to seduce Liu Kang or whatever she was doing, and then you know, then they have a fight, and I'm just like, why, why? And and, and was I the only one? I mean, uh, I, I you know, I've I've obviously seen this movie before today, and I know you have too, but like. When you first saw it, like, were did you were you surprised at all when later on she turned out to be in on it? You know, with uh, with Shao Kahn, like, I, not, I, not I, at all. I, I well, wasn't, I was not fooled. I was not fooled in the the slightest. I was like, oh, this bitch is gonna be evil. It just totally. It's and it's like they try to do all these like twists and turns in this movie, and that was actually one that I made a note on, is that this movie it. It reminds me of a movie that, like, they. this is a first draft of a movie, and instead of, like, refining the script, they're like, yep, yeah, that's good enough, let's roll with it, just to pump something out <laughs> and make money, and, right. and never questioned anything, because it's like, when, uh, when Raiden goes and talks to the Elder Gods, and they're just kind of like, well, you know, you can give up your immortality to join them, and, and he ends up doing that, they... Uh, if we rewind a little bit, the dragons that keep coming off the people that they kill. That yeah, right. The tattoos really, that, really that turn into tattoos. real. And they end up later seeing that Raiden has one. And then he's like, oh, well, as it turns out, Shinnok is actually my father. So me and uh, Shao Kahn are actually brother. And I'm like, first off, you, y'all just mess the cannon up big time. That makes no sense. And it's like, they're trying to play it off at first, like, oh, he has one of those tattoos, and you never once think that someone's going to be like, wait a second, there's, that's important, you know, and it's like, immediately, I'm like, <laughs> right. I remember seeing it and thinking, like, oh, he's going to be related to this somehow, and then that sure as shit, he's like, oh, yep, it's my brother, and it's like, that is the biggest cop-out, and that's the biggest, like, shit twist to try and, like, spice things up I have ever seen in my life. Like they even say at one point, I can't remember which character it was. Is like said something to the effect of like, you know, you could have told us this. That's kind of need to know information. It, it is, and it's like it's like if you would have said this right from the beginning, everything would have been cool. But we didn't do that because plot purposes. <laughs> you know, it's like more exposition. Exposition. That's. It's so confusing. I actually have at one point in the middle of my notes and all caps across the middle of the page is just so confusing with exclamation points because it it really is. I think you said it best. I was trying to pinpoint what was wrong, what was the main thing wrong, but you said this felt like a first time, like a first draft of a script where they hadn't tightened up everything and, you know, clipped all the loose ends and whatnot. That's what it feels like. It feels like a first draft of a poorly written script. 
Yeah, and and they just rolled with it to just turn out some kind of product. And you know, and it seems like there's a lot of issues with a casting because I guess uh, Michael Jai White, who played uh, uh, Al Simmons in Spawn, mm-hmm. was originally supposed to play Jax in both movies. But oh, he really? Be, he, yeah, he did not because he was doing Spawn, which awesome. That's great. But it's like you could tell there was just so many hangups and they had the money to uh to do a sequel and paul anderson chose to not come back because he was doing uh event horizon which is a much better film monumentally better film than both of these mortal Kombat movies you know and i'm still waiting for the director's cut maybe yeah i'm waiting for the anderson cut i (laughs) i would love to see it hellraiser in space done right you know that that movie is so so good but i guess anderson said in an interview one time that he will never abandon a franchise he starts because of how bad Annihilation turned out, and that's why he stuck with Resident Evil all the way through. And I appreciate that. And Resident Evil, for the being a fan of the games, uh, the movie franchise is kind of all over the place, but I do genuinely enjoy the first, like, two or three. I, I, I kind of like, like a, a few of them. There's a few I don't like, but yeah. generally as a franchise, especially, you know... As it's wonky as some of them are, they're good. They're good. Yeah, yeah. No, they're they're fun, mindless popcorn movies, you know, and they're they're just fun to watch. But it was early two thousands too, where they were still trying to figure out how to, you know, take source material, may it be a comic or a video game or whatever, and turn it into a movie that works. Uh, so you know that's forgivable, but you know there were so this movie just seems like it was plagued with so many issues, and you know if you have returning cast choosing to not come back because the script is bad, maybe take a look at it and be like maybe we should tweak this because because uh, uh, exa- exactly like I said, it feels like they just took the first draft and they're like this is good enough let's run with it because there was even a third movie planned for after this and. It never happened because I guess this flopped so so bad. Oh yeah, so, and and you know it, it's it is a good thing because I can't imagine that third movie would have been any good. Well, it's like, and again, we'll have to cover this on another episode because I actually love this movie, Batman and Robin. That did no. so bad. There was uh, apparently I was reading an interview with Joel Schumacher. Originally, there was going to be another movie after Batman and Robin, and the villains were going to be Scarecrow and Harley Quinn, I suppose. But the movie did so bad that they totally abandoned the sequel. That seemed to happen a lot in the 90s, where franchises went in a direction so hokey and comical that it killed the franchise, and there's so many canceled sequels. And, you know, it's just... It's a shame because, you know, I, I would have liked to have seen where people have taken things. But at the same time, it's just like I, I think uh. movies were just so unhinged, specifically in the late 90s, early 2000s, you know. Um, right. Well, it might have it was a shame, but I think it was a kind of a blessing in disguise at the same time. Yeah. Well, and sometimes I think a franchise needs time to rest in order for it to be rejuvenated. Uh, Mortal Kombat's a good example. Batman is a good example, because after Schumacher killed it, you know, we got the Nolan trilogy, which is an incredible set of films, you know? And, oh, yeah, it's a great and trilogy. I, and I feel like, you know, the cast leaving, I don't think is entirely due to the movie, because uh, the woman who played um, 
Sonya Blade in the first Mortal Kombat. Oh, yeah, uh, Brid- Bridget Wilson. Up, Bridget Wilson, yeah. She ended up going in... Uh, uh, she was in I Know What You Did Last Summer, which, you know, again, that's a big movie and ended up being a pretty big cult classic. You know, people love that movie, myself included. Oh, yeah, I mean, it became its own franchise, you know? Absolutely. So it's like, I can't blame it entirely on the movie, you know, and it's not entirely their fault, but there was clearly issues that were being overlooked. And, uh, yeah, it's just... Even going down to, like, one of the next scenes with uh, Jax <laughs> and... Um, with uh, Jax and Sonya Blade going through the desert when they when they face off against Melina. And oh, that, like, I have a, a note about that as well, but go right oh, ahead. <laughs> I have a huge note about this. Uh, go for it. Go for because it. Because, A, Melina shows up and she lo- the costume looks like shit. Like, it looks so <laughs> it, bad. It looks like really... Now, I'm not dissing cosplay at all by saying this. I'm not dissing co- yeah. cosplay. But I'm saying it looks like really, really bad amateurs cosplay. Yes. No, it looks like, okay, I need a Halloween costume. Last second... Uh, Mom, can you make me an outfit? (laughs) Yeah, it's like, Mom, Ma, the meatloaf. No, it's like, it (laughs) looks like they took, like, a surgical mask and then, like, hot glued, like, pink leather on it. And they're like, what would happen if we used the exact same costume we used for Katana, but we just did it in pink? And they kind of talk about that because all of the characters in Mortal Kombat are just palette swaps of each other to an extent. Right, right. And this... Sonya's just like, oh, Katana? And then Melina's just like, you wish. And I'm like, oh my god, gag me. That's Gag me with a spoon, man. Shut up. Now, uh, the note note that I have about this scene is is post this scene. After the Melina fight, Sonya's awfully not covered in mud. Yes. She was covered head to toe in mud. Did she, like... They have a full-on frat house party mud fight. And it's just like, are you kidding me? Like, how cheap is this? And then, again, a kick to the face, Melina's dead. And then Sonya's <laughs> just like, I don't have mud on me anymore. And then here comes this awful CGI monster that literally, like, I, I used to photo... I used to draw things on MS Paint that looked better than this. And <laughs> oh, I it, don't doubt it. I bet Jack's it over here just punching it in the ass a bunch, and then it just, like, retreats. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, that was the note I had. Ass what's punching. What's the point? It, it was just punching ass it in punching. the ass. It was it was like a it was a PG thirteen version of uh, anal fisting. <laughs> it was it totally was, and I'm like, what is <coughs> happening right now? And it's just that whole scene again. It was a pointless scene just to introduce a character, and again and then to never show them again. Yes, and it's just and more of the shitty CGI dragons, and it's just like at this point in the movie, I'm just like, where where's this going? Where, where is this going? What are we doing? Like, oh, it's going I, nowhere, it's, and it's getting there really fast. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's like the filmmakers just gave up. They're like, we want to just shoot a bunch of random scenes, and then we're going to put it together, we're going to call it a movie, we're going to sell it to you, and we're going to laugh while we count your dollars. And it's just, it's honestly, it's a slap in the face, honestly, when you're watching it. It's like, I feel like they're questioning our intelligence as viewers while we're watching this movie, because it's just so goddamn bad it's oh. so bad and speaking of goddamn bad uh, i think we're going to say this probably more, several more times throughout this show but sindel's shriek oh my the shriek God. she does i almost pissed myself 
I had to stop the movie and run to the restroom because I was just laughing so hard. <laughs> it, 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 I, I, I realized that her shrieking is part of her character, but they really... That, uh, I was just like, okay, this is what they went with? This is the, the end result of uh, her evil shriek? Uh, oh, God. Just, when, when she does the evil shriek and she causes like the, uh, the sanctuary with the Elder Gods to collapse and it's like really bad. Again, more bad CGI, collapsing building. In her shriek, it's like she doesn't put any forth any effort into acting with it. It's just like she just stands there and screams, and it's like at least act like you're using putting power behind it because you're just <laughs> right. standing there. And it's like honestly, with how Sindel is with her hair and how she kind of uses that as a weapon, I'm genuinely shocked they didn't utilize that more and do some kind of like bad spawn CGI with the cape with her hair. You know what I mean? Because it's just right. like we're we're already making this movie a train wreck. Why not make it worse? But it was they, a missed uh, opportunity. The the shriek. Oh my god! It's just like that again. That just adding just to the. I mean the long long list of just everything that just when you thought it couldn't get worse, it it surprise it does. Yeah, yeah. And, and speaking uh, of getting worse, my next note here, Raiden two when he gives up his immortality and his powers to become human and mortal like everybody else, and he, he shows up, so goofy. yeah, with with his vest and the buzz cut, and he's just like, and he just has this goofy smile. It's like it's a you know new look. You like it? It's like no, no, no I, nobody, I don't like it. Nobody likes it, dude. What what are you doing? And like he looked odd with the long hair, with the you know the atypical Raiden long hair. But he looked even more goofy with like the short brush cut that I'm like, well, okay, is this Ivan Drago's like like wimpier brother? Yes, and in two things to add to that is a the hair color doesn't even match. It's like no. so painfully obvious that he just took a wig off. And two, and this made me laugh because growing up as a wrestling fan, I thought this was hilarious. Uh, again, watching. Uh, you know, other people kind of do reviews on the movie and like kind of touching on some of the stuff other people have bitched about. He looks like old school surfer sting without the makeup. <laughs> you, you know, you're right. If he, he, lo he looks like and put on face paint, he's surfer sting. Yeah, up. surfer sting out of, uh, out of shape, out of shape surfer sting. And it's just like, uh. he's so goofy. It's like, oh God, it's like when your dad comes out in his best uh, sandals and, like, jean shorts and tucked-in uh, polo shirt, ready for the family cookout. I was like, what do you think? And it's like, <laughs> you look stupid. What, what do you mean, what do I think? Are you kidding me? And it's just like, oh, man. It just you keep the hair, maybe put it up in a ponytail or something like that. You didn't need to chop it all off and, like, and goofy-ass vest. And it's just, it, again, it's just that, bi that bad dialogue in... Not even bad dialogue, because bad dialogue can be forgiven if it's delivered in a believable way. But it seemed like it was literally like an outtake of him just being silly on set, going up to the other cast members like, hey, what do you think? And then they're like, actually, let's put that in the movie. <laughs> right, right, yeah. A lot of uh, Raiden's dialogue felt like that. Yeah. You know, or James Remar, I'm like, and again, I'm... Not trying to diss James Remar because I find him to be an, an exceptionally good actor. Oh sure, he, but he just—I uh, felt like he, he either a be there. yeah he didn't want to be there. Like he he had rent to pay that month. Yeah, and that's all all he was there for. He was just there to pay his rent bill.
it's 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 a shame because like i said both christopher lambert and uh, james Rumar are both in my opinion i think they both do great jobs in their acting and it's just like i just don't understand how you can have two people back to back in the same franchise play the same character and they both did a horrible job but it's like different degrees of horrible right and the dude who played uh, Raiden in, in New Mortal Kombat, I thought, did an incredible job. Uh, yeah, he is the best Raiden. <laughs> yeah, oh, by far. And it's like, I I feel like he was still a little monotone. I feel like nobody can quite get that character right. But it's like, he he's by far the best thing we've had so far. And I I think he did good. But it's just, again, I a lot of these characters, um, I think Robin Chu... And uh, Talisa Soto, you know, Katana and Liu Kang, I feel like they were the only people who were giving it 100%. I feel like they were the only people who were really giving it all to the, to the movie. And, you know, maybe everyone else was and it just didn't show, but it just, nobody's performances felt genuine. No one seemed like they were having fun or taking any kind of artistic liberty with their characters. They were just showing up, doing it, and then going home. Like, it was very by the numbers. It was just like, okay, we're here. I'm clocking in. I'm going to do, I'm going to give it minimal effort, do it the bare minimum, and that's it. It's like, I, I, it's like when you're returning to a job you hate, and you're just kind of trying to, it's a, after you've given your two weeks notice at your job, and you're just kind of going with the motion until you move on to the next thing. That's right, right. kind of how this feels, you know, they, they all had senioritis. They're ready to be done with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, moving on with like some of the other fights because we're now kind of getting into the end game of it all. Yeah, we're yeah, point, definitely we, like Act Two, Act Three at this point. Yeah, we we are starting to get to the point where you kind of see some of the other fights. You know, we, by this point we've been introduced to uh, we've seen Shao Kahn without his mask and he looks goofy as hell. Uh, we get to see finally. Yeah, Brian uh, Thompson like usually is a good over the top actor to play a great villain yes. but like he has a face made for it he, he really does he, you know he, he, he's a great character actor but like man he, he I, I, I don't know what, what he was doing in this movie like, like you said you know he was great in Cobra he yeah. was in Kindred he was in Dr. Mordred which we reviewed on another show playing great villains just one not so much yeah it's just and it's like, I I think I even said it, I don't remember if I said it right before um, we were recording or not, but it's like, you know, he was in, because um, I'm looking it up right now, yeah, he was in like, he was in Fright Night Part 2, he was in Lionheart with Van, uh, Van Damme, he was in Hired to Kill, uh, Cobra, which is what I've known him mostly from, he was in Dragonheart. Hell, he was even in the opening briefly in uh, uh, the Terminator. He gets killed by Schwarzenegger. I think yeah, he's the he was first one of the punks with Bill Paxton. Yeah, he was one of the first ones to get killed by the Terminator. You know, so it's like he's in, especially on TV, because like he was in uh, the X Files. He was in Baywatch. He was in uh, Birds of Prey. He was in Charmed. He was in, I mean, NCIS. I mean, he he was in Chuck for one episode. California. <laughs> Yeah, he, I noticed that he did, did a lot of one-off episodes of shows. <laughs> yeah, he was in a lot of TV, and you, and like you said, he has a good look for a villain. Uh, you know, he has a real good, like, creepy, evil smile. And you know, I I saw him. He was at a horror hound convention in Cincinnati at one point, 
and he seemed like a pretty cool dude. And it, it's like, he was really great with the fans and stuff. And it's just like, I just, I don't know, you know. You just wanted to go up and ask him and just say Mortal so, Kombat Annihilation, what dude, happened? what happened? Because I actually had my copy of Annihilation. I was going to have him sign it, but it was just like, nah, this might be a sore subject. But, uh, you know, it's just, it was just hard seeing someone. It's like when you go see your favorite band in concert. And you're like, you know, they could be doing way better. And they're just like up there sucking up the joint. And it's yeah. just like, man, it's like you are such a good bad guy character. You're such a good villain. And just you can now, he, now he's playing the state fair version of a movie. Yes. And it's just, <laughs> it, 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 oh, man, it was heartbreaking, you know, and, you know, all of his scenes with uh, Chinook, it, it was like, it just like it was just bickery. And it was just like it was cheesy. And they're, they're just being lame. And, like, movie. Shao Kahn yeah. was basically just being a lesser version of Chinook. Chinook would chastise Shao Kahn for failing and not doing what he said, and then Shao Kahn would just, in turn, take it out on all his lackeys. You know, like, he would take it out on Shiva and Sindel for failing him, and they're both just motherfuckers, man. Yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of shitty, and I feel like they just are just lesser versions and, and shells of what they're supposed to be. And that was just, I don't know, that just kind of sucked to see. But uh, I will comment on all of the scenes when they're in, like, his lair and stuff like that. Much like the first Mortal Kombat movie, the lighting, the way the movie's lit, is incredible with some of the purples and the yellows and the blues. And the colored lighting is incredible in, in a lot of those scenes in both movies. And uh, this one was no different. Some of the fights were lit in a really artistic way. And yeah, uh, being a big definitely. fan of, of giallo films and like Italian horror and things like that, I, I, I'm a sucker for that. If a movie has artistic lighting, I'm just like, dude, sign me up. I don't care how shitty it is. I uh, know. That's why, that's why Suspiria has always been one of my favorites big yeah, time. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Uh, a lot of fans who listen to this are probably going to hate me for this, and I'm, but I'm just going to say Suspiria is not even that great of a movie. It's kind of boring, but it's artistic and visually stunning enough to pull you in. Yes, and like it's well, it's like I, I still say Deep Deep Red is probably the best out of all those uh, Giallo films. Oh, no, at least like, like in my my opinion, in my opinion. But like Suspiria is just so visually appealing. It, it's it's a feast for the eyes, you know. Yeah, and it's it's like a fairy tale, you know, in a lot of ways, and and it's like watching a, a fairy tale in action, and I love that, but. But yeah, this just this echoes a lot of that, and you could tell they were trying to be artistic with the way they were filming things and the way they were presenting things. And again, the set design is always super cool, and they did a great job with that. Um, but yeah, it's just when, when it came to some of these other fights coming up, you know, when they're fighting the Raptors, when they're fighting oh. the, the Tarkanians, when Baraka shows up, and it's like Baraka, oh. both those fights are pretty much back to back. And there are so many scenes, and I wanted to point this one out specifically because, again, I was watching another reviewer who pointed this out, that there's a point where, was it Air Mac gets thrown into the uh, flame pit by Shao Kahn at one point? I think it was Air Mac or Smoke. I think so. One of I think it was Air Mac. And um, later in the movie, when Reptile or, no, when Baraka gets thrown in to a fire pit, it's literally the scene from before, but they just shot it at a different angle and reused it. It's not even 
the same. Like, it's not even the same character, and it's painfully obvious when you slow it down. Not only that, but if you freeze frame it, you can see a crew member catching him as he falls into that pit. No. Dead serious. And like I said... I, I'll I go back and rewatch that. I'll have to slow it down. It, you can see it, but in every fight between the fight with the reptile guys and the fight with the Baraka guys, no joke, you can see wires in all these fights pulling the people around and pulling the ropes or swing like it, yeah, i it, saw a little bit of rushed. uh as i call it wire wire foo yeah. going on but they did not key that stuff out they, not they at all didn't. and in most of those scenes i guess and this was trivia that i read about and again multiple reviewers pointed this out uh and i got again i gotta thank james janice over on dead meat because he pointed a lot of this stuff out i'm like holy shit and it's what made me, because I watched his review after re-watching the movie, and he he pointed out, he's like, literally, all these scenes, it's not even Robin Shu in those scenes, because the production was so rushed on the film, I suppose they had his stand-in doing all these fight scenes for him while he was off on second unit filming other things, or this was second unit filming this. So it's like, you had wires, you had your wire foo going on, you had regurgitated uh, flips and fights from other scenes, shot at different angles, reused in these scenes, and you didn't even have the actual actors doing any of the fights. It was all just like B-roll, essentially, with stunt doubles. And I'm like, holy shit, like this is nuts. And, and I guess that's kind of a good thing for this movie, because... I wouldn't have noticed it if no one had pointed it out, but now that it's been pointed out, I'm like, it's painfully obvious. But it's like, I think that's awesome that they were able to pull that off without someone noticing, but it's like, it, when you watch it, just, it, it, it's hard to not notice. Yeah, in, in retrospect, it's hard to, to Yeah, to it's hard it. to not notice, like, oh my god, this is just that same scene, but flipped around. These are the same ninjas from that scene flipping this way, but they just... Uh, filmed it from a different angle and i think i was reading uh was it sc- it was screen rant or something like that uh that they said and it was game rant there are more than 50 flips in this movie <laughs> 54 flips uh, i read that somewhere either on the wikipedia or imdb that there was like 56 57 different back flips front flips side yeah. flips it, it's outrageous and and they always they always have it focused and that's what i was saying for this being a a cinematographer directing this i don't understand some of the shots and the way it's edited together just does not make sense because it's like they would linger on like these guys doing a flip and then here's a shot of these guys doing a flip and here's these guys doing a a flip this way and it's like you're literally just padding your runtime by putting like little shots and b-roll people doing flips just to make it look interesting but it's like it's not them doing the flip into a move and fighting it's just multiple clips of just people doing flips and then landing somewhere and it's like was that needed like at all well hell even like when shao khan kind of you know uh welcomes his father chinook you know and he instead of just walking down the flight of stairs he does that front flip and it's just like oh they just Thought the, the flips looked cool, I guess. I don't well, know. And, and it's like when you watch Deep Blue Sea, one of my favorite movies ever. I love Deep Blue Sea a lot. Um, uh, I love the first one, yeah. It, the first one's great. This the, the other one's not so much, but, you know. 
Again, yeah, maybe I'm... maybe another another show for a bad sequel oh, day. Man, that's not a bad idea, actually. Yeah, um, well, to keep that one in, in locked and loaded, ready to go. Oh, absolutely. Um, but Thomas Jane, again, an actor I think is incredibly talented. Um, he he dives in that movie. He's diving to do everything that he does in that movie, like like you know the the glass breaks and then he he dives for the stairs and it's like. You know, something else happens, and he's. I have to dive to grab this thing, or die. And he's just, he's jumping and diving into his jumps in like every scene he's in. And I'm like, why are you doing this? Like, is it supposed to make it look more action packed? Is it supposed to be interesting or make you look cool? Like, I'm. It, it, I mean, sure, but it leaves me asking questions. You know, <laughs> like why? Raises more questions than answers, does it? it? Absolutely. And so watching this, it's like throwing in these flips. In, in it's a movie based around martial arts. I'm sorry, but like, that's not martial arts. Like, that's acrobatics. That, that's acrobatics. It's just people doing flips. That's not interesting at all. Like, I, I want to see some actual like choreography with the fights. And like, the first movie really has that. And this one, they kind of didn't yeah. have that as much. It, it felt like they were just kind of going for more, just like, you know, cool shots. You know, it'll look cool if you do this. But it's like, yeah, it'll look cool, but. Is it what we're trying to show, you know, and right, kind of right. leading into, you know, uh, again, when Baraka shows up, you know, the, all these fights. Yeah, let's talk about that. Let's talk about Baraka. We touched base a little God. bit with Baraka, but he looks... He looks like he got a. They got a mask from Party City. Yeah. And no, I don't know if you found this out. Like I, you know, did a little bit of research. Did you know that they tried to get Sylvester Stallone to cameo? They offered him a million dollars for one day's work to play Baraka. I did not know that. Holy yes. shit! Like you know, and again, this is all on the internet. So who knows how true it is? But I can see that. I can see them being like, let's offer, you know, fucking Rambo and Rocky the, the, the role of a lifetime in a, in a Mortal Kombat movie so that he could just have a mask on and not be shown. And that mask was so bad. It flops around. And and the blades that he had, you know, his arm blades. They're painfully rubber. Like, Oh, yeah. They, they're scene, extremely they're... floppity. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and that's, that's my biggest gripe is the first movie – the costumes, the makeup, everything looked awesome. No matter how cheesy it was, everything looked good. Yeah, it all might have been cheesy, but cheesy it looked like it was stylistically. Stylistically che yeah. cheesy, but it didn't look. It did not look fake. It looked like it was, le you know, legit. It did not look like, oh, they got this shit from Party City, you know? Yeah, and this it looks like they hired someone. They're like, we need a mask for this, not prosthetics or anything like you would want, but it's like we want a mask. And it was made in like two days from sculpt to finished product. They threw it on. It didn't fit the actor right. And it was flop because it literally, it flops like an awkward mask would. And I'm like, yeah. passing this off in, in a, a multi-million dollar multi production. Multi-million dollar production. And like, oh God. And it's like, they and it, shooting it in the shadows like they did. Like, yeah, sure, that helps. But still, 
<laughs> it did not it fix the problem. So so bad. Now, as so a bad. special effects artist yourself, that how 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 badly does that? Uh, I guess you could say grind your gears, so to speak. That stuff stuff like that irks me because you know here in not to go on too much of a rant about it, but it's like oh, rant you know, away, sir. <laughs> I I find you know people want to compliment artists and people want to compliment you know creators with everything they do but they never want to pay the money for someone's work this to me looks like it was a situation that yeah we want this but we don't want to pay a bunch of money for it so let's find the cheapest person who's going to do it cheap and quick and cheap and quick almost never looks good and so I feel like they were just like, yeah, let's just get someone to make it cheap and quick and throw it well, together. Good, I mean, good work is never cheap and cheap work is never good. Is this the- Exactly. And, you know, stuff takes time and it just feels like maybe Baraka was a last minute addition to the film. They're like, hey, let's just toss him in real quick. Because, again, Baraka, oh, definitely. very popular character, especially early on. I mean, it's at a point now where I don't feel like people care as much, but it's like. Holy shit, when that when he debuted, what was that? Mortal Kombat 2, I think it was, or yep, 3? Yep, Mortal Kombat 2, I, I believe. And he was huge. People loved him. I mean, when I was a kid and started playing Mortal Kombat, that was one of my favorites to play. Him and Melina both, and uh, in Scorpion, of course, because it's like, these were like the most violent, badass characters, and it's like, that's what you wanted. And then to see him as, again, like a cheap, half-assed cosplay... I was just like, oh my God. And now that I'm like full on in special effects and, you know, prop making and stuff, I'm like, I'm looking at this. I'm like, those blades are wobbling. The the mask is like flopping. And I'm like, you could have stuffed the mask a little bit to make it not flop. Like They could have done something. (laughs) That takes five fucking seconds to put some newspaper in it or something. Like, Yeah, stuff it with some styrofoam, something, anything. Not a big deal. It's not even hard. And it's like, I feel like the filmmaker, like nobody cared. It's like, and it, it, it's frustrating because, like I said, the lighting was awesome. The, the soundtrack was awesome. The set design was awesome. But then, like, the money was put in for them to film in incredible locations, like real life locations. But it's like the actors didn't give a shit. And then there was like certain departments that just didn't give a shit. And it just, it shows. I feel like, like they get, they put their money into getting all these awesome locations and awesome set pieces. And everything else was like secondary. It, like it everything really else down to the like effects, that. to the choreography, to the the outfits and everything. We're just like, yeah, we already spent our wad, you know, on all these awesome locations. We got to cut the budget somewhere. At least that's how it felt to me. And in, in, in saying, I mean, it just, it feels like they, they were just like, yeah, we spent our money on this, or we would rather spend the money on this. Or, for example, um, I guess in the first Mortal Kombat movie, Christopher Lambert was so expensive, they couldn't get him for reshoots in China, and he had to pay his own way to show mm-hmm. up there so that they didn't have to use the double. I, I did like read this, that somewhere. Yeah. yeah, so I guess in this movie, I don't know if they were like, you know, hey, we've spent all this money to get these awesome locations. We've spent all this money for the, to get this particular actor or to get, um, you know, these sets built. And we went over budget, so, you know, we have to cut the budget uh, with this special effect. Or we have to cut the budget with filming it this way or using CGI for this. Because, again, 
we'll get to it because here in a minute is when you know we see the kind of the final battle with the animalities mm-hmm. and stuff and it's like animatronics would have looked amazing but i feel like this was at the point in the late 90s when cgi was really starting to take over and i feel like people were like wow this is cheap and quick and easy let's just do this instead because we can get it done faster and for cheaper but even though it looks like shit because again oh yeah all that bad cgi and that there's bad cgi in this uh, some of the really bad CGI in the Star Wars uh, prequels. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, you know, because I'd say the late 90s, early 2000s, people were using CGI in place of animatronics, in place of, you know, practical effects, instead of using it together, where you have a movie like Jurassic Park in 93, they used a mix of CGI and practical effects, and everything looked really good. You know, you can't, practical effects by themselves look amazing you add a little bit of cgi to spice it up and it'll look incredible because you get a real seamless look i've often not have cgi entirely by itself because there's still going to be that element of cheesiness to to it no matter how big the budget is because like look at some of the marvel stuff like you watch uh the avengers endgame with all the at the ending with all the characters showing up that's like predominantly cgi and it looks amazing compared to how it used to back in the day but it's like still has that level of cheesiness it's it's painfully obvious it, uh, yeah. i don't know if it's i've always been a firm believer that you know cgi has its place but it should be used to enhance what's already there i totally agree and i've always felt that way and you know uh, my my one of my makeup mentors, uh, Rob Hall, who passed away here just a couple weeks ago, that was one of my favorite things that I learned through him, because he was always a huge advocate of. I don't hate CGI. I hate bad CGI. Exactly. CGI can be used as a great tool to enhance the work we do as practical effects artists. He's like, because you know what, none of us are perfect. None of us are flawless. So if we are able to spice up the things we already do to create an incredible effect, then absolutely, it's an amazing tool. But by itself, it's a it's a slippery slope because it, you, you don't have anything physical there to use as a reference piece to build off of. You kind of just got to wing it, you know. So uh, ever since I was, you know, a, a teenager, I've kind of had that view, you know, and Same, same. I don't don't hate CGI by any means, but when you have a movie like this that is trying to rush production, trying to do it bigger and better, but cutting corners and just like, nope, just do it all CGI, you get these horrible dragons, these horrible monsters, these horrible explosions and things that just look god-awful. You know, your sci-fi channel original-looking CGI. You know, <laughs> right. It, it, that's, that's a good totally way of putting it. Like. Oh gosh. Well, let's get into the the final like yeah. fight of this movie, the final action. That starts off with Shiva. Shiva got no love in this movie at all, and and no action. She jumps into action other than like uh, fighting with what was it, Mataro?
for five seconds. She jumps into action, gets crushed by a chandelier, kind of like satanical pandemonium and from Dust Old Dawn, just gets yes. crushed by a chandelier and, and, and dies. And then Jade double crosses like, oh, I didn't see that one coming. Oh, yeah. It's like, come, like you had mentioned before, it's like it's so painfully obvious from right away that this it's is the bad guy. Um, she's going to betray you guys, but hey. It's just a matter of when. <laughs> you know. It's just a matter of when it's going to happen. And then, like, Raiden going, oh, the gods must have lied to me. I'm like, oh, the elder gods lied? Say it isn't so. Yeah, didn't see that one coming either, like, obviously. and then like They were uh, throwing everything but the kitchen sink. No, they were throwing everything and the kitchen sink in. Because yeah. it wasn't about this point when, they, when Raiden uh, lets it be known that him and Shao Kahn are brothers. And I'm just like, okay, yeah. they threw that one in for just... Shits and giggles. And that was like a last second stinger to make it personal so that when Raiden dies, it kind of fuels the the urgency of, okay, now we have to beat them. We have to end this. And it's just, it, they were trying to make it more tragic and it just, it felt cheap to just oh, throw that in cheap. last second. Because I feel like that's something you point out in like the second act or about halfway through, not like, Last ten minutes second, before the end, you know, yeah, yeah, ten minutes like, before oh, you're going to end everything, you know, and at towards the end, you know, you have this huge fight going on, people getting off. You have Mataro again killed with a kick to the face, and it's just like, you know, just again, you you have these awesome characters that get no love, Shiva, Mataro, who are just there in the beginning and in the end, they get killed off super easily. I mean, then Jake gets and, eaten. She gets, she gets eaten, eaten by, by the one of the dragon things. And, and then like, it burps. D isn't oh this one where it God. burps? Like, yes. really? Are we, again, I know it's PG-13, but are we 13 now? Come yes. on. Yes, that, and that's been my biggest <laughs> issue with a lot of PG-13 stuff like that is I, I think they realized that a lot of the uh, kids playing Mortal Kombat were that. They were kids, you know? But kids going to the arcade, they can get away with playing a violent video game. Kids can't get into an R-rated movie as easily as what they would playing a M-rated video game at the arcade. So it's like making the movie PG-13. They're like, well, how can we, you know, make this relate to the kids and do this, that, and the other? And it's like, well, let's have the monster burp. The kids, will yeah, the monster like, burp or fart. You know, because let's face it, farts and burps are funny. You know. Yeah, it's like, hey, I'll always laugh at a poop joke. You're like, I'm kind of eternally thirteen, but it's like, oh yeah, me too. At the but same time, in a Mortal Kombat movie, does it have it, a place? It, it's so dumb. <laughs> and and doesn't Raiden get killed off so easily? He like readies himself. Shao Kahn hits him with that blast, and he's just. D done and of course like he's dying so what do they do Jax takes off his jacket and creates a little pillow for him no give him CPR or do something like that don't create a pillow for him the motherfucker's dying yeah, like, like, uh, yeah, your, your <laughs> elder god buddy who uh, dropped all of his powers to help you guys out is dying and you're just like well let's uh, let's make him comfy like no try and him or something like it, oh my this god this is the it, point where i made a note and i'm sure you'll agree with me on this cuz we have seen uh, to see eye to eye on most of everything here if this is a movie that where it felt like everything and nothing was at stake simultaneously correct like, like I, the world totally was at stake you know because like you know we we've, we have failed to to mention that as they've been traveling you know the interdimensional travel that the realms are combining 
And yes. they keep going back. They see their homes. They see San Francisco. They see New York. They see the temple. And they're being destroyed by fire and brimstone. And, you know, hell is kind of taking over. It's turning into hell on earth. Yeah. And, then, you know, it, 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 yeah, because Raiden even says that at one point. Again, it was one of those cringy moments where he's like, he's like, you know, he, he's attempting to merge the outer world and our world. Think of it as hell on earth. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like, I, <laughs> I'm right. tired of hearing your mouth. But it's like, the, the whole idea is that that's happening, but you almost forget that that's what's at stake because, A, there's zero urgency in anything anyone's doing because it feels like they're just kind of, like, piddling along, just, like, going places. Yeah, having a and lot like, of... And they, they even say, they, they, they make it known, like, this is, like, the end of the world. Like, these worlds are merging, people are dying, but it's, like, the 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 fate of the world and the universe is at stake but with everyone's actions and things happening no no sense of urgency and it feels like no one really cares like it's it, it you you totally hit the nail on the head because it's like everything is at stake but it's like nobody is really treating it as such it's right. everything is at stake and nothing at all simultaneously Um, there's, and there's just so many inconsistencies too in everybody's powers and their abilities, like what they're able to do and what they're able to take. I mean, like mm -hmm. Sonya Blade being able to survive everything that she survived being a, a straight up human who's not even like cybernetically enhanced like Jax is. And let's, let's, let's touch base on this. Jax in the finale, you know, not too long, five minutes before the ending, just tears off his exoskeleton cybernetic arms starts fighting with his fist because he has to find his, quote-unquote, the power within, the inner power. But you're telling yes. me he's more powerful, plain-fisted, flesh-fisted, as opposed to having these cybernetic implants that makes him four times stronger? Yeah, because Mataro rips his one armor off, starts beating him with it, then he starts <laughs> bare fist, again, ass-punching Mataro. <laughs> I and know. Then, like, I'm just like, okay, so let me get this straight. You, your, your inner power within allows you to to do some anal fisting until your opponent is killed and it's like what the fuck like and it's like i know they're trying to give you like some kind of like gi joe life lesson that oh friendship's what mattered in the end and it's like you well, know they even the, have the, that the true power within and and it's like i get that but no <laughs> they totally have that G.I. Joe line when Raiden, you know, right before Raiden gets killed. And he's like, these people are my family. You're not. You're like, oh, yeah, come on. These people will sell you under the bus in a hot New York minute, yes. man. Like, God, I, I bet all of them were ready to beat your ass when you're like, actually, he's my brother. You didn't tell us that before. That That's the point where I would have beat him up. Like, Yeah, that no. should have been at like minute one at the beginning of the movie, you know? Yes. When, as soon as the bad guy shows up, you're like, ah, yes, this is my evil brother. And I would have been like, sweet, now we know what's at stake. Instead, you're going to keep that a secret. Because you know what? Raiden is the same person who, in a zombie apocalypse, would try to hide a zombie bite. Just saying. Yes. He is that person. He is the, he, yeah, definitely. That's a good analogy there. I think, yeah. though, we're getting, we're pretty much at the end. Yeah. The Luke elder gods show up. The older gods show up and say, yeah, this is going to be a fair fight. You know, you're going to, Liu Kang is uh, our only hope. You know, no pressure, no pressure. And he has his animality 2.0 fight with Shao Kahn. Oh. And, 
And Shao turns into that Hydra, and the CGI of his face stretching is like the creepiest thing I've ever seen. Oh my god, and creepy the, and bad. And I mean, again, like the the horrible, horrible CGI. And I actually took the liberty. I decided, hey, I'm gonna hop on IMDb. I'm gonna go down to digital effects. I'm gonna see the artists who worked on these this movie, and I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna email every single one of them and be like, how dare you put your name on this? Are you proud of that? Um, but as it turns out, a lot of these uh, artists who did like the, uh, the you know the uh, the digital effects and things like that, holy crap! Some of these people went on to do some amazing films. Uh, I'm trying to pull it up right now, but it's like, I mean, they they've gone on to work on some of these like huge budget films that have some real good cgi so i think a lot of it just comes down to like money uh, and time money time and just like the technology of the time you know because some of these guys one of them went on to do black panther uh another one went on to do uh the 98 godzilla which isn't great but still better than this oh Uh, better better on every level than this i mean one of them went on to do uh the Mandalorian, which has incredible oh. digital work. Independence Day. Um, a lot of them had worked on the first Mortal Kombat. Uh, uh, one of them went on to do Ant-Man and uh, War of the Worlds, Minority Report, Star Trek Into Darkness, uh, the X-Men movies, uh, Day After Tomorrow, Volcano, Armageddon. It's like... Uh, and each Deep one Blue- of them infinitely better than this. Yes, Deep Blue Sea, Doctor Strange, uh Star Trek Voyager, uh, iRobot, and it's like movies that over the next few years beyond this, within 10 years after this movie came out, where CGI, I feel like, was kind of finding its place and things were getting better, even up to more recent films like Avatar that have incredible digital and visual effects. And I, I feel like a big chunk of it is just, you know, the technology at the time and being rushed. And I think maybe there was a lot of new software that people were using and not really getting the hang of it, uh, learning new things. And I think that's all part of it because they had a lot of digital effects artists. But God, it's just I, I just still just cannot believe that there was movies <laughs> that came out before this that had be- better digital effects than what this had. Well, like you keep bringing it back. You brought it back to uh, Jurassic Park several yeah. times, a movie that was what? five to six years, you know, Before. previous to this. Yeah. And, my God, like, infinitely better. But also, they they had Spielberg money. And, you know, Spielberg's guidance, I think that also says something, you know, which uh, Spielberg obviously was not a first-time director, and I think oh, that sure. might also played into it, you know. Leonetti being a first-time director, you know, you know being an accomplished cinematographer does not necess- necessarily translate into being a great director. Well, and, and I totally agree to that. And I'll say, you know, just on an indie film level, um, now, God forbid, I've never mentioned names of people I've worked with, but it's like, I've worked with people who are either, have only directed. I work, I've worked with people who started out as cinematographers and have translated into directors I've worked with directors who started as special effects artists and moved on to directing. And I've met people who have started as PAs, worked their way up from being a PA to a gaffer to 
uh, an AD and then moved up to being a director. You know, I've worked with a lot of people who've had different backgrounds, and I've noticed, depending on what your background is, kind of shows where you put your importance. Me, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I started out as a production assistant and doing special effects, and I eventually, within the next two years, I'd like to direct a movie. Um, you know, a lot of my focus, honestly, is going to be in special effects, and that's where I'm going to want a good chunk of money to go, because that's something I care a lot about, but you got to look and, and, you know, people who I think start out as cinematographers and go into directing, they want really cool shots and cool sets. And I feel like someone's background will definitely play into where they put the focus and the money into. Um, And I think that shows a lot when they direct things. And I think, you know, but deeper than that, you need to focus on what does the film need? What is going to sell our movie? You're doing a horror film. I'm sorry, but special effects that needs to be in your top three priorities because yes. that that's the punchline. That's the big thing people are going for. Depending if it's like a ghost story, then you know you want to focus it a lot in you know your characters acting because their fear is what's going to sell it. So you want to put a lot of focus into that and, and into the set design with a a creepy old house or something, you know. But if it's a slasher movie. My God, yeah, put your focus on the special effects. If you're in a movie like Mortal Kombat, you need to put your focus into that set design, and you need to put your focus into, you know, the the combat training and the choreography and the cinematography, because that's what's going to sell it, is making it look cool and stylish. And and I feel like he he did put the focus there, but it's like the the maybe too much focus into making things look cool instead of it being practical or making sense. Right. And I, I don't know. I just feel like that, that has a lot to do with it. You know, that first time director, maybe he was like, it needs to look this way. Cause some of the other movies he's directed have been really good and have been well received. I mean, he directed the first Annabelle mm-hmm. movie, which I personally did not like. Uh, he directed Wish Upon, and, and it's like that was a pretty well-received film, and it's and they're shot beautifully, but it's like, you know, this guy was a director of photography on uh, Dead Silence, which I praise as being an incredible mid-2000s horror film. Oh, it's, it's yeah, it's a highly underrated film. It That's is so highly underrated, and, and, and it's very stylish, and it works well, and it, I, I feel like maybe he was a little bit overwhelmed. Maybe this movie kind of just fell into his lap. I, I don't know, you know, but it's just like you can tell there was definitely some confusion on where to direct focus and what to work on and what they yeah, wanted. To I mean, put the he's a guy in. that has obviously went on to do bigger things. He's went on to do better things. Yeah. But it, as his first directorial effort, ooh, F minus, F minus. And especially F minus, I got to talk about the, the, the big elephant in the room. The, the one of the final things, two final things. One, Raiden sits out the entire final fight, only to be lazily resurrected and kind of brought back to life, just to kind of ha 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 ha. Look, yeah, things are as they should be. And uh, lame, lame. I lame, got my immortal- immortality back just because, you know. Yeah, just I, because. Yeah. yeah, but that stock footage ending. With the stock footage of the Golden Gate Bridge, the Twin Towers, and oh, the different areas, God. with just that energy crackling across the screen, they they put so much money into CGI, and so much money into the morphing and, and whatnot. 
they couldn't have shown a couple of buildings go from being destroyed and in total destruction to being new and pristine. They just took these horribly stock footage images and just put that crackling energy, the lightning going across them in this montage that was just... Who thought that that was the way to end this movie? I, I, and you're totally right. I think I, they had to have run out of money on this movie. That that had I, to have been the case. They had to have gone over budget and been like, okay, we need to do this the quick and easy way again. And but stock footage, like, how hard is it to maybe fly a second unit out of like a small crew of like three or four guys to like film? something you know i mean nowadays I mean? they would just send a drone yeah it's o- over a, the in, my god some of the drone footage you can get i mean like drones i mean man that's a future filmmaking especially within uh indie film like the kind of stuff you and i work on mm-hmm. is if you can get a drone you can boost your production value because you don't have to rent a helicopter or get approval to be on a helicopter and you know fly over wherever and get the okay to film and stuff like and it's like with drones i mean you're you're unlimited and it and it does so much and i i feel like a lot especially a lot of older movies you can tell when it goes from your regular footage to like footage uh shot in the air on a helicopter because the quality is always a little bit wonky you know mm-hmm. yeah very like, wonky it's like man they just really took the easy way out on that and they're just like yep let's throw this on it's gonna look like shit but whatever you know it's oh i just i think that's the that's the note we end out this review on is oh yes no seriously because before before we do get into our our final thoughts and reviews on this was there anything else you wanted to touch base on Man, that's about it. I'm just like, I, I'm just at a loss for words because it's just like, I don't know how, and, and I've, I've said this a million times before, I don't know how a movie like this in mid-production, nobody closed it down. It was like, dude, our money is not going to what we thought it was going to be and they decided to scrap it. I don't know how a movie like this can get made, but then there's like a really original and good indie films that like struggle you know, and it's yeah, like, the it's like struggle to raise, before, you know, a few thousand dollars to raise a budget. Yeah, and I just I don't know how throughout the production these red flags didn't allow for people to be like, maybe we should change this or maybe we should do this. Like I said, because back to the whole script thing, if you have people not wanting to return to the movie because it had such a bad script, maybe tweak the script and then represent it. Because sometimes scripts go through how many rewrites? I mean, good oh, example. Dozens. Zombieland 2, for example. That got announced right after the first Zombieland movie. It took like eight year, eight to ten years of rewrites before it finally got approved for them to start production on the sequel. Like, my God. I mean, if it has to take a while. I mean, I know Strike While the Iron's Hot. And, you know, the first Mortal Kombat movie did great, and the video games were actively coming out, and it was huge, and it was popular. But it's like, the the movie's just a cash grab, is what it was. They were like, let's throw in more characters, more fight scenes, let's make it look cool and and huge, and let's use up all the money we have. And it just, it 
it suffered because of that because it it's totally just a cash grab and it, yeah. that's a shit and that's a shame because no matter how you feel about the first movie nostalgic it's fun it's entertaining and this movie is just like it's garbage it is so it is straight bad. up hot garbage well that being said let's go ahead and give our final ratings on this and you know mm. uh, from before that uh guests go first so go ahead and give us your rating on a scale from one to ten so from one to ten i'm gonna have to give this movie a three the reason i give it a three is because there were some redeeming qualities in the film and that being uh visually the the locations the physical locations they filmed at are beautiful and awesome uh until they ruin it with cgi um and then the the set design and the colors that they used for the lighting i think really complement it uh i i i'm a sucker for that kind of thing if someone can build a really cool set that you know it kind of grabs my eye and i'm like oh wow look how cool that is and someone made that I, I, I love that. I always try to find something in everything I like. So I, I'll, I'll give it that. You know, you can tell that they put the work into it with that. But aside from that, it, pretty much everything is uh, is a giant mess. <laughs> yeah, I would have to agree. You're a tad, you're, you're a tad bit more generous than me. <laughs> um, I'm giving it a 1.5. It's really bad. I, I, I believe in giving any movie that's completed, any completed movie, no matter how bad it is, deserves at least a one. If sure. you started and finished and released a movie, it's a hell of a feat to, uh, from an indie level to the you know the big budget level. Absolutely. But but they just they did not stick the landing with this movie at all, and it was just so just fucking bad. <laughs> you know, the, everything is so bad. The only reason why I give it. Uh, you know, uh, a one and a half, or you know, just because uh, is it, is the set design. Yeah. You know, the the, the set. It, it, uh, I thought that was impressive. You know, it, it had some great locations, but everything else is bad. Bad CGI, bad dialogue, mm -hmm. bad script, bad acting, uh, bad camera work, bad action, and bad choreography. Everything was just bad, bad, bad. I other other than the set designs and the locations, I could find absolutely nothing redeeming about this movie yeah uh and it just you know from a movie that like again i think you you you, you hit the nail on the head maybe it's a little bit of nostalgia you know that much as i love the first one but it's still you know maybe not a great movie but it's a good movie sure Th this one is just they they really thought they were reaching for the stars and making something uh great but they were wrong yeah i'm sure in every level that were like man are is this movie gonna suck or like did everyone stop to be like maybe this isn't it's kind of like that scene in jay and silent bob uh strike back when they're go to the movie set and the guy's just in the corner and he's like hey is it good for you it's like and he's just counting his money he's like just man he's like just do whatever you want to do i'm just counting my money maybe that's what everybody was thinking they were just hemorrhaging money Yes. The people's checks were not bouncing, so nobody cared. Uh, I felt like nobody cared. They were just like, we'll do this overindulgent piece of hot garbage you know, and pay that, our bills for the month. And I think 
everyone kind of realizes it's going to be bad, but we're like, hey, but we all got paid, right? And they're like, yeah, and then we just roll with it, you know, but... Wait, you got paid? Just, just, oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, sometimes I do, sometimes not, and sometimes I don't get paid enough. But I feel like when you're on this level of the film, it's obviously a union project. And I feel like people, if they have work and they're getting paid and you're getting that union money, that union pay, I feel like they probably, filmmakers on that level probably look at this the way you or I would look at a day job. You know, when I go work my day job, I show up, I do my job, I go home. But that's probably where people were at with it. And they're like, you know what, we're getting paid, let's just do it, be done with it. And it, it just pads the resume. You know, I, if you're like me, on my resume with my movie stuff, believe me, there's things I leave off my resume. Now, it's all on my IMDb, but like uh, I only put the most important stuff on my my resume because I'm like, hey, not exactly proud of the way that movie turned out. Now, my work looked good, but the movie was bad. Right. You yeah, know, yeah, like, exactly. I'm always proud of the work that I do. Yes. It's maybe not so much proud of the work everybody else has done. And I, I feel like that's a, the situation here. Everybody came. They're like, listen, we're going to do our job earn our paycheck, and then we're going to go home. Absolutely. Uh, if I worked on Mortal Kombat Annihilation, I would conveniently leave that one off. Yeah, I'm sure when like... James Remar talks about his career in a retrospective, he might talk about you know the Warriors. He might talk about Dexter. I'm sure he does not mention Mortal Kombat Annihilation. You know, you meet James Remar, and you're like, hey, so what all have you worked on? He's like, well, I worked on the Warriors, Cruising, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, uh, uh, <laughs> Dexter. Uh, and then he just uh, yeah. goes on, like looks over that, and it's like, I, could you blame him? You know, I, I get it, I do. But you know, but sometimes there's paycheck offer... jobs. There's just yeah, some jobs oh. that are just for a paycheck only. There's no artistic in integrity involved. It's, it's just especially with film, where I feel like sometimes it can be hit or miss, and you might go a little while without work. So you get offered something that's a little bit more money than what you expected, and it may not be great, but it's like, hey that pay though you know yeah like i said at some point no matter how much fun it is making a movie no matter how much work it is at the end of the day it's a job Mm -hmm. like that's that's what it is we're here it's not rocket science we're we're here making something you know do like like we both said do the best you can do to your ability and what you're given and uh, roll with it and i think at the end of the day that's the way these people saw this movie and uh it definitely shows. <laughs> it definitely shows, does. Well, that being said, I think we'll put a pin in this one for the day. Um, you got anything coming up uh, soon that you want to plug real quick before we sign off? Oh, man. Uh, we, got parallel, we got parallels we got... coming up soon. We'll both be on set for that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't have a whole lot going on. I do know um, we got parallels coming up at the end of July. Uh, at the same time I'm shooting Parallels, I'm also doing a movie with Frog Lab called Eat the Rich. We are also doing uh, Finishing He Knows, the Christmas horror film, uh, yes, at the beginning Steve, of August. Steve Morris. Love with, him. Uh, Steve Morris. I'm super excited to be wrapping that one up. Uh, we're wrapping it up with all the big effects scenes, so I know everyone's very, very excited for that. you got um, a lot of work uh, cut out for you on that one. Yes, uh, well, yeah, we have a lot. It's a, it's like a two-day shoot, so it's going to be uh, high-energy, uh, none of the hurry-up-and-wait like you'd expect. It's a lot of the let's-get-this, uh, move, move, move. So that'll be fun. Um, I'm finishing up uh, Nathan Thomas uh, Milliner's new film, uh, 
on a dark and bloody ground. We're going to be finishing up that up this month. And I believe that along with Tori Jones, most recent film, um, they see you will be premiering at fright night film fest. And that's on October 1st, 2nd and 3rd, um, big convention horror festival. Um, I believe those are both debuting there. I'll have a table set up there and, uh, they're doing a, cast reunions for monster squad and for rob zombies halloween so that's pretty cool nice i know um, we wanted uh we wanted to come and see at that but we actually have a wedding we're going oh, to that yeah. weekend so um, i apologize well, we won't, won't make it to them so you know yeah. that, that'll be fun yeah uh, my, my wife's niece is getting married actually we got a, a wedding coming up next week and then one in uh, october too so wedding hey, type think, of year I think now that stuff's kind of opening up again and all that fun stuff people are excited to start having weddings and get togethers and it, it's nice to see that happening again. Yes, it is. I'm, I'm looking Happy forward times. to a good, co- I'm looking forward to a concert or two. Oh, I'm telling you, I do have a couple of those coming up. I'm actually, uh, I'm doing a big festival in Las Vegas, psycho Las Vegas, uh, here in August. And I have tickets for, uh, for, uh, Megadeth in September and as well as nice. a few others from last year that have rolled over to this year. So, I'm excited to finally be getting back to that because if anyone knows me, I average about 20 to 25 concerts a year. So going a year without it has been uh, very painful. You're going through some withdrawals, are you? Yes. I'm like, I keep watching concert videos on YouTube on my TV and like cranking it up and uh, oh God. I, I Trying to immerse so yourself in the experience. <laughs> oh yeah. I can tell you when I go to psycho Las Vegas, they actually have a lot of bands playing there that have not had the opportunity to see. So it'll be nice to, uh, have that first introductory concert back to it being tons of artists that I've not had the opportunity to see before. So it'll be nice. And I hope everyone has the opportunity to get out and do things they're excited about and uh, the things that they miss doing. So yep, same here, same nice. here. It'd be nice to do a couple concerts, a few conventions, gatherings, you know, hopefully uh, ah, things will continue to be, you know, will continue to be on the up and up as things start to open back up. Absolutely. So it's nice. Everything's looking up. Everything's great. And uh, yeah, I have a lot coming up, uh, some stuff with you as well. And, Hopefully, uh, more things start popping up. I do have a few projects I can't talk about quite yet. Hopefully, by the time we do one of our next videos or uh, one of our next podcast dealios, I'll be able to uh, talk a little bit more about it because it is killing me to not bring <laughs> it up. But uh, oh, I know. bet I know I got one or two of those uh, that are in the can in myself that are just can't talk about right yet. Yeah. Can't not allowed. <laughs> well, not publicly. We'll probably talk about it as soon as we stop recording, but you know, <laughs> right on, right on. But the, for everybody else's ears, it's not for your ears, just ours. Yeah. yeah just with that being said, uh, I want to thank you for taking a couple hours out of, out of your time. I know it was sure. kind of a thing to, uh, to get our schedules to jive here for a few weeks, but we managed to make it happen. Uh, maybe hey, next time we'll switch it back to doing a good sequel. We'll try to switch it back and forth. Go, Go from the good to the bad. So I feel like we need need a a good sequel to cleanse our palates. I would like to have the opportunity just for one of these shows. I think this would be spicy. Uh, We pick a movie that one of us likes and the other person does not. I'm sure we could do that. I'm sure we could find one. Find a sequel that uh, it could go either way. Uh, But I think that would be a fun thing. And 
not really selling each other on it, but just talking about, well, why didn't you like this? And why do you right. like this? And I feel like that would be fun to kind of just talk about different viewpoints and, uh, and have fun with that, because I feel like that would be super entertaining. Yes, I, I agree. Well, we'll talk about that off the air. We'll see. Maybe yes. we can come up with something. Cool. But, but folks, thank you for listening. I've been your host, Cameron Scott. This has been my co-host, Derek Worley. And we have been tearing apart... Mortal Kombat Annihilation from 1997. I would say go out and see it, but don't. We watch this movie so that you don't have to. But once again, thank you as always for listening and keep coming back. Thank you. Thank you. You will die.